but yeah, you ready? I am prepared. Okay. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unto the Breach, a podcast about movies, games, and beyond. I'm your host for this Beyond episode, Adam, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Joe. Say hi to the people, Joe. What up? Ah, the enthusiasm just drips from Mm. the man. The enthusiasm drips. Which, you should get hyped for this episode, man, because today we're talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah, it's a pretty good show, I guess. Yeah, it's all right. Roll credits. What inspires you to talk about this out of nowhere? I feel like I haven't heard about this show at all. (laughs) Shush. Yes, you have. Be quiet. Maybe I, maybe I was a Zil- I was a Avatar fan before anyone else was, and now all you bunch of posers are like, I love it. It's like, get out of my fandom. Oh my gosh. No, people aren't actually like that, Joe. I've I've met a few. Maybe. Why maybe does I'm- this always happen, man? Dude, I think it's just uh, the nature of fandom as a whole. Is Some people are like, you weren't in this inner circle back when it was not cool to be in the inner circle, so it feels disingenuine, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty meta-commentary. But uh, okay. that being said, that being said, uh, we're going to talk about Avatar Last Airbender and how much we like it and all that jazz. So uh, my first question to you, Joe, is... Uh, you know, tell me about your experience watching Avatar: The Last Airbender. When was what do you remember from the first time you watched it and stuff like that? All right. So, um, when I was a wee little boy, I did not watch Nickelodeon ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I didn't like SpongeBob. I was all about Cartoon Network, and so I didn't really watch Avatar until I was, I think. I don't even remember how old I was this one. I think I was probably around 16. Mm-hmm. So it was way later. So I was like, all right, I Cora was coming out. And I'm like, I should check out that show. I have heard good things about that show. Watched the pilot. And <laughs> three weeks later, I was done with the whole thing. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm going to force some of my friends that haven't seen it. <laughs> all, my friends, all my friends had seen it so it was funny though because I'm like guys it's so great this episode this one they're like yeah yeah we remember we remember like, oh we rewatch it <laughs> this is better than you remember being it wasn't just some awesome kids show you watch a show rules and yeah I, I that was the one and only time I watched it and I remember so much about it mm-hmm. that it's 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 crazy it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like Tenet. Like I only the first time I saw Tenet, I came out of the theater. I remembered every scene of that movie. Yeah, it just kind of sticks with you, right? It lingers yeah. with you, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even a thing. Like oh, I thought it was kind of slow at first because the episodes were just kind of silly. It's like this adventure, that one. Like, I loved those too. I loved every minute of that show when I was watching it, except for the animal episodes, which I don't care if the episode's about Appa or that stupid whatever that other thing is what is that like raccoon oh gosh i feel like i'm gonna have to turn back in my fan card because i am totally momo 
Small Momo. Momo. Yeah, what's a typical name? What and any episode that involves Momo, I'm like, oh, why get back to it? But Admittedly, that, there's only a couple of those, right? Yeah, there was one in season three that I thought was just super egregious. <laughs> that was like, why? You could have yeah. found anything else to do. Was it election day? Well, what was the point of this episode? Why did they do this? Because sometimes you go back and you find out when there's a weird like bottle episode. Like Breaking Bad has a famous one, Fly. When you look back, it's like, oh, there was this so-and-so happening that week. So they didn't want to have a super premiere thing going on. Yeah, so makes sense. Away. Yeah, and they oh. had a contract of, they had to make so many episodes. So they made a throwaway episode that would be entertaining, but you could miss it in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Couple episodes like this. That's for kids. That episode was for kids. Mm, that was for no the one. It's not a kid. It's like hell yeah, Momo. Let's go. I don't <laughs> know, man. Some, <laughs> I don't know, man. People like cute things. Have you heard of Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda's not cute, man. <laughs> <laughs> and thus, we're in the breach. Baby Yoda is a bug-eyed, weird creep that apparently commits genocide. So I hear. I don't know. I haven't watched it, but. <laughs> I love I love Baby Yoda though, but I don't find him cute. There you go, there you go. You see, that's fine. I was thinking I was going to have to censor that and just have like let people's imagination go, but you brought it back, so I'll leave that in. You know, ba- ba- Baby Yoda's a good time. He's fun. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah. So basically, what you're saying is every episode is excellent, except for maybe the odd one here or there where they're not focusing on the humans. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment of it all. Uh, and admittedly, yeah, it's just those episodes are uh, whatever. But uh, it's, it's a nitpick, really. Yeah, it, and I'm it doesn't saying, like it's like one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Yeah, like, it, it's up there with all the others, like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Avatar is as good as those to me. It, yeah, it's so good. So and it, it and it's family appropriate, and you could watch it as a kid and watch it as an adult, and probably get the same amount of enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good stuff, man. So my first time seeing it, I remember I was twelve years old, and I was hanging out with uh, my childhood best friend, and we were hanging out at his house, and we were just doing some random stuff, but we had to wait on something, and he just kind of turned on the TV, and he's like, "Oh wow, Avatar's on," and I'm like, "What? What's this show?" And he's like, oh, it's really cool. You know, they kind of do, they do bending. They do like earth bending. And he like explained like the, the whole concept of bending to me and how Aang is the avatar and the avatar can do all four. It's like, oh, okay, cool. And we sat down, we watched an episode and it turned out to be, I think it was the premiere of one of the best episodes in the first season, which is the episode with uh, Jet, you know, the, yes. guy the, the guy with the hook blades. <laughs> yeah. And... I just remember watching it that episode especially and like it really left a really great impression on me. Now mind you at this time I didn't have Nickelodeon at my house so I wasn't going to be able to watch Avatar but uh, that one episode was just absolutely amazing and I'll, I'll go into more details with it later but you know for the sake of keeping the flow of the story going basically that was the one episode of Avatar I saw for years right because I, I didn't have a chance to watch it again uh, until my family did start getting Nickelodeon. Um, and whenever that happened, I was about a, I think I was a teenager. So like about three or four years had passed at that point. And I remember it was the summer and, uh, that week, 
my dad wanted my brother and I to mow the lawn. We have a very big lawn, so it, it would take multiple days, and we split the work between the two of us, so that way it wasn't too exhausting. And uh, that week was going to be the series finale of Avatar. What was that, like 2008? So, it, something like that. Something like that. And what they did leading into the series finale was an entire marathon of the whole series. <laughs> All 60 episodes, or I guess 57 up to that point, right? And it led right into the premiere, which the, the premiere of the finale, which the finale was a four-parter, right? So uh, here we are, my brother and I, we... And we caught it like right at the beginning too. We're like, oh, look, the, the Avatar is on. And I remembered it fondly. And it was around, it was still in the first season when we were watching. We're like, oh, okay, cool. We'll, we'll watch. And then another episode came on and then another. And then we realized, oh man, they're marathoning this. Yes. So my brother and I got to watch the full series and we missed a few episodes here and there because we'd have to go outside and mow the lawn. But I was like, going to say like, just the way you sat there for 30 hours watching that. <laughs> But yeah, like my brother and I would we do like an hour and then we'd switch off so that way we we wouldn't miss too much and then we'd fill each other in on important details that happened. Uh, and then just, you know, getting completely entranced by this show and then the finale just blew me away from the get-go. And from that moment on, it was like, I'm officially an Avatar fan. All I had to do was watch the whole series within two weeks. Yeah while it was premiering on TV. And it's, uh, that's honestly one of my fondest memories. Uh, and to me, Avatar is very much a binge-watching type of show. I, I think it works best whenever you watch the episodes like back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back instead of waiting weeks between. For I sure. can't imagine what it was like to do that. Dude, I still remember what it was like watching, uh, watching TV shows one week at a time. You're talking to a dude who would watch uh, Toonami on Saturday nights. You know, that's how I, uh, that's how I watched Dragon Ball Z and Naruto growing up, man. Oh yeah, that's right. You got to do what you got to do. That was a lot. Yeah. I never really, when I was younger, never really watched shows that had plot lines really. Like I'd watch Batman and whatnot, but you know, it didn't really have like an ongoing plot you had to follow. Mm-hmm. So the week to week on that works fine. But man, it wasn't until I got older I started watching stuff like Breaking Bad, and it's like I am losing my mind waiting for this stuff. Yeah, it, it can Where, be rough. Yeah. It can be rough. I guess That's why waiting. I advise just binging now. You know, it's you got it, marathon it. And then uh, the most recent time I've watched the full series was um, back when I was still living with roommates. Uh, one of my roommates was like, "Oh, I, I haven't seen this Avatar before, but I have the full uh, box set on Blu-ray." And I was like, oh, let's all let's watch it together. And so like he'd go through a few episodes at a time and I told him, yeah, just watch episodes for me. And one of my favorite things to do during that time was to like give him fake spoilers. Yeah. Like, you know, like I just because I, uh, our third roommate had seen the full series. So him and I would joke like, oh, man, I can't wait until uh, until he sees the Fire Lord do this or this or this. And we'd laugh and he'd be like, I can't tell if that's real or not. And then. Uh, and then it got real. And then I would start giving him real spoilers that had no real ramification, but I would frame them as if they were fake spoilers. So like pretty early on, there was one moment where I was just BSing around with him 
And I was like, yeah, man, I love that episode. I really love that part when Appa and Momo get into a samurai fight. It's one of my favorite moments ever. <laughs> he's I, like, I that's dumb. That. That's dumb. That doesn't happen. And then sure enough, like <laughs> we're watching uh, <laughs> and I waited for that episode and he sees Appa and Momo and Samurai. He's like, you guys suck. I hate you so much. <laughs> That's funny. I've never understood people that fall for fake spoilers. Well, the thing is, I sold it really well. That, that even, was the even then, it's still like, why would I deliberately and it's so spoil outlandish, it for right? you? It's so outlandish. If you've only seen like the first five episodes and somebody says Momo and Appa have a samurai fight, would you be like, yeah. that That doesn't sound like something that would happen. <laughs> Although then, the tone of the show... Uh... Well, at that point, they really hadn't had hallucination dreams yet, had they? No, I, I could just see them doing it as like a joke. Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, the other, the other big fake spoiler I gave him, quote unquote, fake spoiler, was uh, Sparky Sparky Boom Man. I told him Sparky Sparky Boom Man was my favorite character. And he's like, nobody's named that. <laughs> and dude, I remember the day, the day we got to where Sparky Sparky Boom Man was introduced, but they don't say his name yet, right? And it's like, oh ho, and I'm like come on, man, let's watch another episode. And he's like, okay, fine. And then, like, the next episode, nothing happens. And he's like, oh, man, I'm getting time. Like, one more episode. <laughs> and then, finally, they uh, <laughs> they come into contact with him. And I think it was Sokka calls him Sparky Sparky Boom Man. And he just looked at me with such disgust that, it, oh, man, that was so beautiful. <laughs> so, so beautiful. And he listens to the podcast, so... My All friend, right. you you know who you are, and that was honestly one of my favorite memories with Avatar. So I'm glad you got to be a part of it. Sparky Sparky, I don't even remember that guy being a thing. You don't remember Sparky Sparky Boom Man? Not really. Uh, he's the guy who had like the eye, and he would like do the telepathic uh, explosions. Like it would look yeah, like a, the, the, it looked like a laser came out of his eye, and then poof, like Zuko hired him to hunt down Aang in the third season. Man, I gotta go rewatch the show then, I guess. There we go. <laughs> Don't that sound familiar to me. Never forget Sparky Sparky Boom Man. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, man. One that... of the things about the show that makes it so great, though, is how, like, it is a kid's show, but I feel like it, it's it's willing to tackle pretty big themes about war. It is. In a it way is. that's actually, like, this is actually kind of. Man. Yeah. I can't believe it's going to this extent. I've heard it described as a kid's show that doesn't talk down to the kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like a kid's show when you're watching it, even though it is. Mm-hmm. Which, that's kind of the secret to it. It's kind of the Mr. Mister Rogers approach, right? It's just like, we're going to talk about this serious stuff, but we're going to talk about it at a level that you understand, but also gets to the gravity of the situation. Which, by the way, if you want to watch an awkward episode of Mr. Rogers, go look up the 9-11 episode. Whoa! <sighs> that's a heavy episode. But, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I was referencing how the episode with Jet, the Hookblade guy, was the first one I saw. Uh, I want to talk about that episode because I think that's, that's like the best example of what to expect from Avatar as a series. If, if there's one episode I would tell people to watch, it would be this one. So uh, let me describe the episode to you guys, which, by the way, if you haven't figured it out at this point, full spoiler warnings Oops. On, <laughs> on this series. Um, you know, uh, it's it's been out for well over a decade, and 
it's been it's done its rounds on Netflix before and whatnot. Uh, I go watch it. Go and watch it if you haven't, and then come back and listen. But uh, going into spoiler territory, three, two, one. So uh, when it comes to the episode with Jet, so the purpose of the episode is they're traveling and they're kind of going through this forest where in the Earth Kingdom where the Fire Nation has set up a set up a town. Right, they've colonized the Earth Town and they've and they've brought in their own citizens into the town. And, you know, they're just trying to stay kind of incognito and whatever. And then Jet and his gang are freedom fighters. They grew up in that village originally, and they're trying to get the Fire Nation folks out of it. And also just kind of saying to heck with the Fire Nation every way, shape, or form. It's very much like a very, it feels very much like a Robin Hood and his Merry Men type of group, right? Yeah. All teenagers. And Jet is like the cool kid who's like the oldest kid. And he has like these hook blades that uh, I think... Uh, Tibetan monks used to use really cool weapon. Really Eating cool weapon. A straw. Yeah, he has a straw in yeah, his mouth at all times. He's, he's, he's cool. a cool. He's, he's cool, cool man. You got it. So he, and I mean, he's kind of wooing the group, and then he's talking about like this big plan he has, and he wants Aang and Katara to help out, but Sokka kind of doesn't. He he's not having it. He thinks something is up, so he's investigating details into this plan as much as he can, right? And then Sokka realizes that. Uh, Jet's plan is to break the dam and flood the village, killing innocent civilians, even if they're Fire Nation civilians. So, you know, it gets revealed. They have to stop him. There's this really awesome fight scene, like, on the treetops between Aang and Jet, which I think is, like, the first really good one-on-one fight scene in the series. Um, And apparently it was very heavily inspired by Naruto, which, you know, I liked Naruto growing up. So I was all, I was all for it. I was like, this is really cool. Um, And then Jet succeeds in flooding the village, but not before Sokka warns everybody and evacuates them. And the whole point of it all is Sokka says, it doesn't matter if those people came from the Fire Nation, they're still innocent civilians. And that is such a nuanced concept to introduce in a kid's show that they're just ordinary people, even if they're with the quote unquote bad guys, right? The idea that there would be people who aren't necessarily all gung ho, like their nation is, they just happen to live there. Yeah. With this anime, like kind of inspirations there, it's like, yeah, they're talking about Hiroshima a little bit. Yeah. All all this stuff. It's like, mm, we're talking about this stuff. I wonder yeah. how parents are going to feel about this. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. that was actually a pretty controversial kind of thing at the time. There was a lot of discussion going on around that, especially because of the war on terror and everything. Mm-hmm. It was it was very much in the forefront. These days, we can talk about the election and whatnot, but that was yeah. it actually but yeah, like, like back then, it was like 2004, 2005, kind of in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Like, put it in perspective, like, the U.S. was still occupying Iraq at that time. Yeah. That's what was going on. It's interesting so, how like they they were like, yeah, we're a kid show, but we're going to talk about this stuff. It's going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Humanizing the enemy. What a con- mm, what a concept. Yeah, there, there's an episode I love for similar reasons to that because it's an episode I think is always dismissed that I've always remembered really well. Was the Great Divide. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah, it's kind of a filler throwaway episode, but the way it is, like, wait a minute, is this the one where like Ang lies at the end, and that's what yeah. brings them together? Okay, yes. So full disclosure to those of you who haven't seen it, 
that lots of Avatar fans called this one of the worst episodes in the series. And there's even really? like a subtle, yeah, because they feel like in like in a season where like at the time they were just like boom, 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 everything is important. They have this one filler episode basically, and then they move on. Right. And you'll remember at the end of the series, whenever they're doing that recap episode with the Ember Island play, like there's that one moment where they're like, oh, look, it's that great canyon. Let's ignore it. And they just keep going. (laughs) That's the nod of the creators being like, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah. Because people were pretty vocal about it at the time. But I will let you discuss this episode because I figured we were going to talk about it at one point or another in this podcast anyway. So go for it. No, that's interesting because that was one of the more memorable ones for me because I didn't watch the show with any inclination of what people liked, which episodes people liked and which ones they didn't. Mm-hmm. To me, it was just another episode. And it was interesting to me of how like it went... This whole like thing of how like they made an episode basically about racism and prejudice and whatnot. And the way it ends with like the lie kind of thing is interesting of how it's kind of raising that kind of question. Like, does the NZX justify the means? This, and it, it's a, it's another odd concept to put into a kid show. And the way they kind of leave it like open ended, I'm not particularly a big fan of that. But it's interesting to see how they're like, they're. They, it kind of feels like they were walking on eggshells to even begin to talk about this kind of stuff in that episode. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder what it would be like if they did it again today. Potentially <laughs> infuriating. Potentially. Potentially, yeah, yeah. like way too on the nose, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I always remember that one the most. It's interesting that you say it was one of the most hated ones. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's just because of the episodes that surrounded it. Plus, you know, if you're thinking about it from the perspective of you know, kind of an older kid who's watching this show week to week, and then there's that episode in the middle of a string of really good episodes, then you know, it's kind of it's understandable why it would be like I didn't like that one as much. Yeah, but it is interesting because it is you can say it of like, oh well, Ang lied, so like that's completely wrong. But the funny thing is that it's like, well, technically, their motivation for doing this is false anyway, because they don't even know why they're feuding anymore. Mm-hmm. So all you did was replace their non-reality with a different non-reality that's more positive. Yeah, it's kind of what that is. But there's, it was interesting. I also, I just found their bickering to be funny when I was watching it. Yeah, it was pretty with, funny. With, with, with the food and everything, you know? <laughs> All the food must see in your stomach or in the garbage. Yeah, that, the, the other thing I need to really highlight is that Avatar is a funny show, right? It's like, so funny. It, it's funny. It's just, it gets how to be funny without like having to be like, ugh, fart jokes, right? Yeah, it never even has jokes that I really think about. I'm like, really? Well, one of the funniest... This is one of the funniest jokes I, that's ever made me laugh this much at a show. There's the one where they're breaking the earthbenders out of the prison. Mm-hmm. And it's like on that raft. And <laughs> you have the, the captain or the soldier see Appa flying around. So they go to see the captain. And they said like, uh, sir, we saw a uh, like a flying like a flying buffalo. He's like, what do you see? You know, like like a bison. And the guy says, so what was it then? A buffalo or a bison? Soldier responds, well, I'm not sure what the difference is, but that's not really the point. And the general's like, I'll decide what the point is, fool. He throws him overboard. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Dude, that like has such a ring of like British comedy to it. Exactly. (laughs) 
Yeah, I love it. Dude, Sokka's that... food, the food thing that he's always doing. Sokka in general is just... It's it's the one thing in Korra that I feel like is so lacking, is there's no Sokka kind of character. That's just well, like him. there is, but he doesn't hit the nail on the head like Sokka does. And so people feel that it's a very insincere version of Sokka. Yeah, because Sokka is just so well written everything about him mm-hmm. at first he's just like you see him as kind of just like just generic older brother teenager guy and it's like oh not at all it's really it's the jet episode is when it really comes out oh for sure that's a very good Sokka episode as a whole too because it's like most people are dismissing him because he's the comic relief kind of goofball sort of whatever and then it's like oh no he, uh, genocide against the Fire Nation, folks. That's kind of morally bad. Yeah. Other little things the show does that's just hilarious is like, I, I don't know how many people notice. I love it that whenever they eat something, they always go om nom nom nom. <laughs> they do. I don't notice that every time someone eats something, they go om nom nom nom. Oh, that's good. It's that is hilarious. That is good. That is good. There's oh, little isms like that, like the face, the, the the face expressions they'll make that are so over the top, goofy, like making fun of anime. I love it when they do that. Yeah, the the facial animations are really good there too. I think my favorite joke. So one of the things that I think is a really cool little world building bit is there aren't any normal animals in the Avatar universe. They're always like combo animals, like a platypus bear or a moose donkey or um or like a, a fish turtle or a lion turtle you know stuff like that right there's always a combination of two real world animals put together and it's like go- kids too yeah basically and they go to the earth kingdom and they're gonna go meet with the king of the earth kingdom and they're reading up about him and they're like oh and he has a and he has a pet named boggy the bear and they're like do you mean like a platypus bear and they're like no just a bear what's a bear (laughs) (laughs) and they just don't know how to interact with it it's just a normal bear i've never i never i didn't notice that joke the first time i I guess because when you said like there's no normal animals in avatar i'm sitting here like yeah there isn't i don't know how it didn't occur to me they're all combo animals that and basically every time they make fun of toff being blind those that also really gets me oh yeah like when they're like they're in the desert looking for the library, and Toph goes, oh, "There it is!" And they all look, and she's like, "Is what one of y'all is gonna say?" And then she just makes like the goofiest <laughs> looking freaking face and waves her hand in front of it. <laughs> that was great. I do remember that. That was yeah. great, and it's those moments of humor that really, like, I think d- goes a long way to hum to humanizing the show, right? It makes it a lot more believable because people would be just a little bit goofy, especially if they were kind of uh, 12, 13, 14 year olds going on a world saving journey. They would be a little goofy and there would well, probably be humorous stuff happening. I, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say like 16, 14 year olds because I have this life experience where I did missionary work and I basically lived in a van with like many was it like 10 other people mm-hmm. and we saw each other every day and we we're all over 18 believe me you get weird yeah people get weird then yeah. man like that's what i really relate to i i gotta rewatch it now and be like oh my gosh that's just like how we were when you're just together you get you get weird mm-hmm 
So uh, let's see one last funny bit. One last funny bit. It was one of the early on episodes, and Zuko and Iroh are like tracking where Aang is going with Appa, and they're just like. I don't, I don't understand. He was here and then he was here and then he was here and he was here. There's no rhyme or reason to where he's going. And he's, and Zuko's like, there has to be, there has to be. And then it cuts back to Aang and the gang and Zuko and Sokka's just like, Aang, we're lost, aren't we? (laughs) 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 No, I want to specify though about the living in a van thing, because I tell people about this that it sounds weird. I wasn't, we weren't literally living in a van. We didn't sleep in the van. We traveled. Think of it like a band. Yeah, we, you were we just constantly on tour for a solid Exactly. Year. Yeah, we went to a bunch of places and did the stuff there, and then we go to the next location, the next one, and so on. So yeah, it's we, we weren't homeless, although I guess we were technically homeless. But, but you weren't homeless. But we you weren't were. homeless. Yeah, we weren't a bunch of... Well, I won't say we weren't a bunch of hippies, but... <laughs> there were similarities. No, we weren't. I'm just no worries, man. No worries. But, no worries. Yeah, road trips like that. So yeah, so. that's so. Th- those are some of the favorite episodes right there. And then I want to talk about the the finale, right? Because right. I think the finale is easily like the best finale I've ever seen in fiction. Uh, and I think the only thing I would comp- even somewhat compare it to is the ending of uh, Endgame. Like, I think it's that level. It's on that tier. And I would put it slightly above, ever so slightly above, right? So one of the things they make very clear throughout the whole series is that kind of Aang's character arc is him initially rejecting the call to be the Avatar and seeing the consequences of it and then embracing being the Avatar and then uh, he gets this ultimatum where he was raised as basically um, he was basically raised as the equivalent of a Tibetan monk, right? Very peace loving, pacifist. Know how to defend yourself, but don't cause any violence, right? And he has a duty to stop the Fire Nation, to stop the Fire Lord, especially before the Fire Lord raises the entire world in a genocidal rampage. Yeah. Which, is, which is coming because of Sozin's Comet, right? So this day is approaching, and Aang doesn't want to kill him. He doesn't want to break his morals and kill him. And essentially, that's the theme that is explored in those last four episodes, is Aang doesn't want to kill him, but he has to stop him. How is he going to do that without killing him? Because he's a firebender. You know, He's going to have the ability to uh, cause damage no matter what. And through it, Aang discovers like this ancient bending technique from uh, from a mystical creature from the spirit world called a lion turtle, which is kind of vague whether the spirit the lion turtle came from the spirit world or whatever. But essentially, Aang has a very spiritual experience where he meets a lion turtle, and the lion turtle gives him this ability that we don't know about until it's time for the final battle. Aang confronts the Fire Lord. And it's an absolutely amazing spectacle of a fight, right? They put all the animation budget into this fight. Aang has a pretty awesome Avatar State final form with like all four elements revolving around him. And he's about to do the final blow. And then he kind of regains his sanity. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then the Fire Lord's like, you have to, you have to, boy. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. And then uh, he like restrains him. And then he like, this really beautiful art of him like 
basically kind of taking over his energy. And then it seems like the, he's going to have his energy taken over. And then finally Aang takes over all of his energy and then it's kind of done. And you're like, what just happened? And Aang goes, I took your bending away. So now the fire Lord basically can't do anything. He's just a normal dude and he's defeated. And I think that is a really powerful message to show that you can end the conflict without without committing an evil act in and of itself, right? Because uh, how many works of fiction, especially like superhero fiction, where the solution is basically you have a final battle with a big bad and you got to kill him, right? I think the best ones are the ones that have that rule of I can't kill you, but I have to stop you somehow, right? So you're Batmans and you're Supermans mm-hmm. for the most part, right? And Avatar didn't ne- doesn't necessarily have that rule, but Aang does, right? Because all the, all the previous Avatars, they solved their problems by killing their enemies. So Aang is being a trendsetter here as well, and he found a solution that nobody thought of but himself in order to do this. Now, mind you, through a bit of a, a miraculous occurrence of yeah. the lion turtle teaching him how to, uh, I guess, would be the equivalent of like energy bending or chakra bending, whatever the heck you want to call it. But still, like he found a way to save the world without compromising himself. And I think that's a really powerful message to to say to anybody, right? That there's a way to solve your problems without compromising yourself, right? It doesn't necessarily always have to be black and white or gray. There's a way to do it while you're still, you know, doing it the right way, if you will. Yeah. Especially, again, during the time it was at. It's mm-hmm. very... It's kind of funny when you, when you really look back on how political this show was. Mm-hmm. It's it was it's kind of crazy. I I don't I I don't know how often I remember really any shows at that time really getting political. Like even even like the adult shows and everything that was going on, it never felt like this. Like The Wire didn't really feel political or anything. But this one show is just like all about it all the time. It's all anti-war. It's ba- the, the show is basically anti-war propaganda, if you really think about it. More or less, but it isn't like... I don't think people think of it as political in that sense. Or political in the sense of how they would think of things being political today. Because if you think of stuff political today, it's like left or right. Are you trying to be liberal or conservative? Whereas this show is more like we're just kind of doing a broad message here. War equals bad. Which is something that I think a lot of people agree with, right? I, I, I hope and, so. And like, what is the cost of war, right? Because uh, I think ultimately that's a, that's a universal theme. Because just throughout their journeys, you see what the cost of the war is on the different peoples that they come across. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately it's like it really hammers in. This war has to end. And the way to end it is to get rid of this guy who's trying to genocide everybody, Right. And how do you do that without killing him? Is there a way? Let's find out next week. Turns out there was. Turns out there was, exactly. Yeah, there, there, turns out there was. It turns out there was, yes. So, my favorite episode of the show. This is going to be weird. And because my, my sisters have rewatched this show several times over the mm-hmm. years. And every time I rewatch it, I have to catch this one. Like, as I've, I see episodes now and then. I've just never gone through and watched the whole thing. And that is season three. Let's see what number it is. Oh, come on, Netflix. Why are you doing this? 
season three, episode five, the beach. The beach. Oh my gosh, that's a that is such a good slice of life episode. But I it, but it resonates love, so deeply too. It's so it's my favorite one because it's it's a, such a weird episode. And first of all, I I love Zuko as a character. Mm, yeah, we'll talk and, about him too. Yeah, I've always I've always joked about like if any of you don't know what I look like, I look kind of like Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> and if any of you, except without the scar. Yeah, well, yeah, one one day, one day, I'll work on getting that. But <laughs> I hope you uh, don't. Also, personality wise, I'm kind of like Zuko. Not gonna lie. Let's just say if the if the uh, let's just say for the live action series Netflix hit me up, I, I could play him pretty well, I think. But uh, but I love his character, and that that one was a cool like. It was funny, but at the same time, I like how it really started to really sink in like how unhappy he really is and why. Mm-hmm. Seeing all these people like just being normal, he's like, I can never be that ever. It's just impossible. And it, it's it's really like that's it's a really depressing episode. Wow, it's so funny. Like it's just what are the name? I don't I don't I can never remember their names. The volleyball guys. Oh yeah, I mean let's just call them Biff and Tanner. That's yeah, the, they're just just it's, as it's good. Names, right? <laughs> it's just so funny because like here in the middle of all this stuff, you have filler episodes like Momo, which I don't care about, and then there's the volleyball episode that I'm like, this is the best episode in the series. Well, it also gives the villain trio, right, the the female villain trio, a chance to be human. Because we, we had a good chance to see Zuko be human uh, while he was kind of on his own in the in the second season in Exile. Well, in further Exile, I should say. But, yeah. like, the villain trio, you basically just, they were one note. They were here to catch the Avatar because Zuko wasn't doing it fast enough. And now we get a chance to kind of sit down and see what the heck is wrong with them. And you find out exactly what their, what their issue is. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ty Lee, who's the, the chi blocker girl, who's the acrobat, like she doesn't stand out in her own family. So she doesn't feel like an individual and that really messes with her. Uh, Mai, who is like the super emo depressed girl, <laughs> like she comes from like the strictest household who basically made it where she was scared to express anything other than just neutral. So that's why she's so reserved and whatnot is because she's afraid to open herself up for ridicule of being rebuked. And Azula, like she's pure evil, but the thing that helped really accelerate that evil was the fact that her mother really didn't show her any love and affection. Right. Yeah. It's like you like the actions of, Az- of Azula are really bad, but you understand why she's like that rotten is because she only ever got positive affection from her father and her father is a freaking monster. Yeah. Which I, I love anything that has the message of parentage is, so key yeah i'm always down with that message and then there's zuko yeah dude what a character arc right what a character arc i don't think we're gonna say anything new with zuko but just zuko is the co-protagonist of the series he is right like he he initially is introduced as the antagonist right he's the guy chasing after ang and if he catches ang and brings it back to the fire nation he's going to be restored to the the royal sort of uh, hierarchy 
And then you find out why he's been exiled in the first place. And it's like, oh my gosh, that is messed up. Mm. So messed up. Because, I mean, like, his key identifying feature is the the scar on his eye. He was burned on his eye somehow, and you're not quite sure why. And it's like, oh, you know, he's a Fire Nation guy. He's scarred. He's clearly evil. Whatever, right? Well, I never thought he was. Well, I I I definitely The first time, I was like... I like this guy, even though he's not the good guy. Mostly because yeah. of his conversations with Iroh. It's like, this guy, there's no way he's not going to end up on the other side at some point. Because if he doesn't, this is stupid. Yeah. And knowing he would when he finally does. Oh, I've never felt like that much. Yes. And his relationship Iroh. with Iroh is super key to Zuko's character, right? Because mm-hmm. essentially, Iroh is the father he deserves instead of the father he got, right? And Iroh also potentially the greatest character in the series. Yeah, I, I Iroh is definitely my favorite. Definitely my favorite. Just a jolly dude who is an endless font of wisdom. And it's one of those things where it's like, he's a guy you genuinely respect, even though he's on the bad guy side, technically, question mark. I mean, he's and, not. And then you find out he's not. But still, like, he was a general for the Fire Nation. He participated in the Fire Nation's military efforts. And here he is like a like now he's disgraced and in exile with Zuko and out of being an old coot yeah like what else is he supposed to do and through it all you find out through Zuko's kind of failed efforts to uh bring Aang in that uh you know his father is the one who gave him that scar through uh, basically a basically a, a cultural fire duel if you will they call it an Agni Kai or a like you know, the, they have a firebender battle. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Asian name, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. One, I'm one Chinese. I'm allowed to say that. One of those. And it's, of course, when Americans you know, make up Chinese names or like Asian names, I'm like, yeah, well, that's an American made up Asian name, all right. Yeah. And in the first season, Zuko goes from being a clear antagonist to kind of being a fuzzy antagonist and then a neutral force in, in the second season. And then I think the, the moment that really solidifies Zuko as the best character is the fact that he chooses the wrong answer again, mm-hmm. right? It's very rare we see characters go through a second negative regression, right? Because in the moment of decision in the, at, in the finale of the second season where Zuko had to choose between basically being a good guy and going back to the Fire Nation, he decided to go back to the Fire Nation. And... Uh, it's that decision that haunts him because whenever he went back to the Fire Nation, he essentially turned his back on his uncle who has been the loving father figure he's needed. Right? And, uh, you know, you go into the start of the third season and right into the beach episode where you learn that Zuko is still being torn up about what he did. Like, Iroh is the father he always wanted and he never realized it and he realized that he betrayed him so deeply by choosing the fire nation over being a good guy basically yeah and now it's time for him to make it right and i think it's that episode and like a couple other things that really like convince him that okay i need to abandon the fire nation of my own will this time and go join the avatar and teach him firebending which he decides to do, which by the way, him trying to be friendly with uh, so <laughs> with great. Team Avatar for the first time after chasing him relentlessly is so hilarious. It's so great. So hilarious. And then basically like the last half of season three is everybody goes on an adventure with Zuko except for Toph. Uh, 
for lack of better terms. And then it's the finale. And, uh, you know, through that, you get to see like who Zuko truly is. And he kind of become he becomes worthy of being the ruler of the Fire Nation at that point. And, you know, of course, good guys win. He becomes the new Fire Lord and he reforms the Fire Nation and is like, let's stop with this whole fascism thing and just be happy with who we are. What? <laughs> yeah. So and when when at the end of season two, where Zuko goes back to the Fire Nation, I've never felt such like in my head like no as much as when freaking Frodo puts the ring on at the end of Return of the King, and you want to throw your TV. Oh yeah, it's a very similar <laughs> moment, right? It's it's like it's dude, so like no, like you gotta have the low low so you can have the high high, and the high of. Zuko and Iroh meeting again at the end of the third season before the final battle takes place and then making up like no lie it made me cry mm-hmm. as a as a teenage boy who was very adamant that he had no feelings I yes. cried because it hits you man like what 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 did Iroh say he said I wasn't I wasn't mad that you betrayed me I was sad because I thought you would lost your way right and dude it's just it's so beautiful it is so beautiful that's always how you know though i i kind of use those two examples as why we're revenge of the sith why you kind of know it didn't do it well there is never that scene in revenge of the sith where the character you care about makes the wrong decision and you just feel betrayed inside and defeated and you just want to scream like Sam does in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. So good. There's never that moment, and that's how you know it's effective. Is when you have that moment happens in that show, and then it just feels like your heart is torn out of your chest. Yeah, and it's like I, I I hate this. I feel terrible now, and dang it, little kids show. Yeah, you, how you did this, done to, this me. to me. Uh, so- so I guess, Joe, culturally, what do you think uh, has happened kind of to geek culture since Avatar has kind of been there, you know? Because I think, if anything, it's really, like, improved the standard of Western animation because there have been a lot more serialized shows where it's like they're telling a consistent plot thread since Avatar proved that Western animation could really do it, right? I don't actually really know. I guess there's been 10. Is Ben 10 like that? I don't know. Because I, I honestly... Kind of, sort of. It, it has a through line, but not not in the same way that Avatar does. It's still very episodic. I, I You know, I'm thinking more of stuff that came on Cartoon Network, like, say, uh, Adventure Time, uh, oh, Steven yeah. Universe, that sort of stuff. Like, you see that Avatar influence in those. Uh, now, mind you, I haven't actually watched those shows, but I did... But, you know, I did work in the, anim- the animation industry for a year, so I, I've heard more than enough about them. <laughs> yeah, I'll, to be honest, I I had stopped watching cartoons but around, like, 2006. Yeah, and, you know, like, I was aware I, I of them. I don't know, actually. I don't even, like, people mentioned the show that was on Cartoon Network now, like, the kids, that they remember when they were growing up. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and that's how I know. I'm old. Yeah, I don't know what that is, and you need to get off my lawn. Yeah, get off my <laughs> lawn, man. No, it's about chowder. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. So, yeah, I mean, Avatar has had that sort of lasting impact. And, like, if you ever, like, 
I, there's so many like YouTube channels that really like they make an avatar episode at some point. If they talk about like story structure, like if they're, if they're a, a narrative driven TV show or whatever type of YouTube channel, there will be an avatar episode or five. Just, oh, yeah. it happens. It, it's, it's perfectly, I think the best way to describe it is it's just about as perfect an execution as you could on the concept. And it just resonates so well with everybody. And I mean, I, the only negative things I could think of are just the odd episode here or there where it's just kind of a little boring, but still those don't overstay their welcome. And then you get right back into what's important. Is there anyone that doesn't like this show? None that, that I've met, that, man. That, yeah. That, if you don't like this show, you have to be doing it on purpose. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's come just, on, you know what I mean by those kind of people. Where it's like, it's kind of like when like this cause I, I just, I have to. I wouldn't be there. I wouldn't be Zuko. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, dude, it, it, you know, it's kind of like when people say they don't like donuts, it's just like, are you human? Yeah. Are, are you sure you're not human? Like, I, cause I'm pretty sure liking donuts is, is one of the signs of being human. You know, although do not donuts do make you sick. It depends on the donut. Now, don't it? Yeah. I, I didn't but, mean to make that pun, but I eh, sure did. <laughs> but avatar watching avatar does not make you sick. I no, think it it's scientific proof that Avatar exposure to Avatar to Last Airbender does not make one ill. Yes, uh, the, they they've oh. tested it in the lab. It's true. Yeah. It's true. They so, tested so, it in North Korea actually because they're <laughs> like, we don't need human rights here. Let's just stick you yeah. in here and watch this. This series is torture, and they're like, this is not torture. I'll, I'll sit here all all thirty hours of this. Yeah, you, you, you can take it from me. If you're watching Avatar: The Last Airbender in a room by yourself, don't worry. You don't have to wear a face mask. <laughs> the show will not infect you. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know, great scientific proof here. It's all right. Uh, we do know that this is definitive time. The face mask is not needed. That's true. <laughs> In a room by yourself. It's true. One last thing I want to talk about is the world building of Avatar. Because I think the world building kind of lends itself to having expanded universe stuff, which is why Korra exists, which uh, we could talk about Korra at some point, but I don't think you have you seen Korra. I, I, I tried, man. Okay. So we don't we, really have to talk about it. So we don't really have to talk about Korra. Well, first and foremost, what a task to try and follow this show up. Right. What well, they weren't really trying to, they weren't supposed to. Well, yeah, the first season of Korra was supposed to be just a self-contained miniseries, and then they ordered three more seasons. And then they made it six seasons, and it's like, guys. No, it, it, it was three. Okay. It was three. They stuck I thought three. they made it six. Mm-mm. They didn't? They made I, it three. I, but I'll bet you if anything, there was a plan they were going to do six seasons. I think they initially planned for more like raw episodes, but they cut the episodes down. Yeah, so I, I probably, that, that does sound right, because I guess I remember at some point when season two was happening, where it was like, oh, there's four. Yeah, and then right. basically season two of Korra is where everything goes wrong, <laughs> is what it is. And it doesn't quite ever fully recover from it, but seasons three and four have really good moments in them. Uh, season three of Korra especially, I think, is really good. And the first half of season four is pretty solid, but last half of season four and basically all of season two is kind of a, a buster. And uh, I have thought more than once about what would I do if I were in charge of Legend of Korra, the follow-up to Avatar last year. Yeah. How would I do it? Because well, I know everything. I have a podcast. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to 
seasons three and four have good moments. I'll just say this: World War Two had good moments. It doesn't mean it was worth it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a comparison! Too much, bit much, bit much. <laughs> No, but I don't yeah. know. I I think the thing about Korra that when I tried to watch it, like I I will be fair, I haven't watched all of it. Mm-hmm. I've watched like most of season one, and there was just a point in there where I just didn't. The stuff I liked about Avatar, I come to find the same thing kind of happened with the Fantastic Beast movies. Funny enough, with Harry Potter, I don't really care that much about the world of Avatar. Interesting. And I, I don't like, I don't really care about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I like the characters. Interesting. And the journey they go on. And when you take them out, I don't care. Okay, you know what? I think that, that I think that's a fair opinion to have. Cause, yeah. Uh, I will say, like, the world building of Avatar is strong, simple, and consistent. Those are, like, the three words I would say for it. But admittedly, it's like, the reason people watch Avatar is for the characters. Like, I mean, heck, you and I were gushing about characters for a solid, what, 45, yeah, 50 minutes not, Like, oh my gosh, Avatar is good because of how the systems work. It's like, no, this isn't anime. Yeah, and it's just like, as far as, <laughs> anime is. As far as like the rules of the world, like, it just kind of, it makes sense. Like, it makes sense that there would be advanced forms of bending, right? Like... Uh, like metal building bending from earth bending, that makes perfect sense to me, especially since you see Toph kind of figure it out. She's like, Wait a minute, metal has earth within it. If I can just kind of grasp onto those little parts of earth, I can maybe, and then it's like, Haha, she invented a new sub form or a new advanced form of bending. It's like, that makes perfect sense. Um, water benders are able to make water freeze into ice, that makes perfect sense, yeah. Um, I will admit, firebending becoming lightning, that doesn't really make sense to me. Oh, you know, it's a kid's show. But I think they just really liked uh, the idea of having their evil guy, who's kind of like the Emperor from Star Wars, shoot lightning. Yeah, it's proven. proven. Especially since he's voiced by Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, he is? Yeah, Fire Lord Ozai is voiced by Mark Hamill. Oh my gosh, I need to rewatch the show. Yeah, it's I just know, Mark Hamill doing that. a normal Mark Hamill voice instead of uh, <laughs> instead of like Joker. I gotta watch this again. But yeah, that that is the thing. Like that's what like Star Wars. That's what made Star Wars work. It's like yeah, it, it, the universe is cool and everything, but it was the characters in that first movie. It's so important to have that, and when you don't, Corey didn't have any of that for me. And also, I just I didn't care for the steampunk setting. I get it, it was different and everything, but it was like, I don't know, I kind of liked the more rustic feel of it. Well, I think a lot of it is whenever you take, like, one show that has such a clear formula, right, that Avatar is very much a, you know, travel around the world romp, and it's lighthearted, and it's also kind of pre-advanced technology, like, the Industrial Revolution has happened in the Fire Nation, and they're using it for weapons of war, so there's some there's some uh, like middle age technology basically, but not like advanced stuff to where you get to like a post industrial revolution sort of utopia society. It's like oh, 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 this is yeah, this is a stark difference. Even though it's been eighty years, and it's like within eighty years that could very well happen. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to say that. I think that it's a perfectly logical conclusion to be like, okay, now we're kind of in a steam powered society. 
like I think that makes perfect sense. But you know, if you don't like the aesthetic, you don't like the aesthetic, and eh, that's fair. Yeah, that's there are fair. ways you can pull it off though, because there, there's a book series that I really love called Mistborn, mm-hmm. where it it has kind of Avatar isms about its world and how it works. Of like, there's different people that have different powers of different elements of metal, different kind of metals give you different powers, and then they the uh, Brandon Sanderson made a kind of a follow-up series, the Wax and Wayne series in the Mistborn world that is set in a steampunk-like Western setting, much like Korra did, only they did it much better, I thought. So it's I'm not opposed to the idea of it feeling different, but the thing is that the Mistborn, what they did was they had characters that I liked. Mm-hmm. And I think I probably should go and rewatch Korra. Maybe I'll like the characters more. I just I just don't know. Yeah, I, I will say... Doing it. I will say, like, you got to look at season one of Korra as they were told that it would be a self-contained, like, I think, eight or 12 episode miniseries. And that was it. So they had to rush a few things. Yeah. And then season two was like, oh, my gosh, that was a total miss. But but season three is pretty good throughout, uh, has some fantastic moments in it. And season four, it starts off really well. And then it just kind of it kind of fumbles the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, it's like, again, it's a heavy task. How do you follow up Avatar, which is a universally acclaimed best ever genre defining show? And, you know, I, especially without the same writing staff, because Cora lost a lot of the writers from Avatar and it shows well, stylistically. Let me tell you exactly how you follow up an acclaimed show like Avatar. You don't. Hey, there it is. I figured you were going to say that. <laughs> anyway, um, I, so... and I mean, it's th- there's lots to be said, and like the extended Avatar stuff that I have seen, it's really it's hit or miss, right? Because Avatar also has comic books, which I actually own a fair amount of them, right? Okay, but I want to say something. Do not tell me what happened to Zuko's mom. Okay, I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I've heard people tell me, and it's like, oh, I'll tell. You. It's like I don't want to know. Yeah, and I mean, that's but, one yeah. of the main draws of the comics is they're like, we're going to tell you the story of what happened to Zuko's mom. And they tell you, and it's like, okay. All right. I like not knowing um, that, you know? There's just something about that unknown. That I'm like, yeah. Now, I don't appreciate them kind of hanging it over your head as if it's like, there will be more episodes, and we're going to use it to find Zuko's mom, and then they just kind of make comic books about it instead. But Yeah, uh, marketing. Yeah, yeah. So that that is what it is. I'm not going to linger too hard on it because what we have in Avatar just is excellent characters in a world that makes sense. And yeah. you see, like, each of them has character growth, right? There's no character that remains constant. I think the most constant character you're going to get is Toph, and even then, like, she still goes through growth. Yeah. I mean... So- if you really want to look at the universe of Avatar, it's not a very unique universe because honestly, it's just Bionicle. <laughs> oh man, I love Bionicle though. Yeah, people. Yeah, it was cool. I was into Bionicle when I was when I was little, but I remember people would tell me about like Avatar and what it was about because I wasn't watching. I was like, oh, so it's Bionicle. Like, well, what's Bionicle about? Literally, the exact same thing. Elemental nations. Yep. There's some distrust among them. And they need to be unified against a common enemy. Yeah, it's 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 a concept as old as time. It's 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 been done before. 
So yeah. that was why the universe to me it never really like was like, oh my gosh, it's so unique. It's like it's not Bionicle did it. <laughs> so it's it's fine. But the yeah. story's fun. So that's why I love this. But it is, it is. And I do also say that I think a lot of what really works with the Avatar world building that makes it simple is they base a lot of it just on real life. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this makes sense because this is the way it is in real life. Like all of the bending styles are based off of real life martial arts. Yeah. And, you know, it's been proven that as long as you just have people do real karate moves in live action, you'll make a great adaptation of this show. I mean, we, I, we, I, we just said we weren't going to, we didn't have to talk about Korra and went on for it about 15 minutes. Do we have to talk about the movie? Do you want to? Because I really don't. Enough's been said. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I do think we should talk about this Netflix series, though. Right. So the Netflix series is in an interesting limbo, but I think people are still going to give it a shot whenever it comes out. So as of the recording of this, uh, we're post, uh, like, it's been announced, obviously. And originally it was announced that the same, that the creators of the show and the original showrunners were going to helm the live action series. Well, those original creators have since had to drop out because of apparently infighting with executives that were putting the money down creative differences that means that they that means the executives didn't like the direction and since they had the money they fired them yeah or they so maybe maybe so so now the show is in that kind of space which i don't know what they're going to do with it i really don't i apparently the show is supposed to be a remake of the animated series so if they just do a straight remake, I think people would be kind of okay with it. But whenever you do a remake of something, you still have to add to it in yeah. some way that's substantial for people yeah. to like it. Otherwise, I'll, I'll they're just going to tell you to watch the old series. I'm actually more, inter- more interested in the series now than I was. Now that the original creators are gone as bad as it sounds. Okay. Because from the reasons that they've stated that they left was because... Netflix wanted them, wants to make a more serious kind of show, like more adult show, but the creators don't want that. And like they wanted it to be more consistent with the show they made, mm-hmm. which the reason I'm okay with them not being involved in that case. Yeah, it sucks that they have the project taken away from them and they can't make what they want. But at the same time, I don't want a Disney-esque live-action remake of Avatar. Yeah, Disney live-action remakes haven't been yeah. really hitting the mark lately, have they? Yeah, look, you can talk about the Shyamalan movie all you want and how awful it is, but that movie came out in the prime time of young adult adaptations. And it was yeah. lazy. It was a cash grab. The movie was made because it was the in-hip thing. This series was announced when Avatar was kind of in limbo because neither show was really going on at the time. It was before it got all this new traction again. Mm-hmm. And Look, I I don't want to see them remake the show in live action. If you're going to remake it, have a reason to do it. Of like make something that is original and like have a kind of different interpretation. Now I I, I was hoping to be able to sit here and say something more like Mulan did, but Mulan did it wrong. <clears throat> yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it no no no. Mulan is not bad because they changed things. The Avatar Last Airbender movie is not bad because they changed things. It's bad because they changed things that didn't do it well. And if yeah. you can do it well, I think it could be really cool. Yes. And- like I, I'm honestly right there with you. Like uh, low key. I, <laughs> I don't know how our fans would react to this, but like I've thought more than once about, 
uh, you know, what would a quote-unquote live-action Dragon Ball Z movie look like that's learned its lesson from Dragon Ball Evolution? Because, you know, I really love Dragon Ball. And I have my ideas. And, you know, I was thinking like a (laughs) – I was thinking maybe we could do a podcast episode where I pitched the idea to you, but you don't like Dragon Ball that much. So I don't think that would be a good episode. I could do some research and maybe watch it. I'll probably hate it more. Maybe. Maybe. But – I have a job. Uh, I can't have time to watch Dragon Ball. Oh, you man. can you can watch Dragon Ball while you're sailing around in Wind Waker. I don't want. <laughs> I don't but, want to watch it. But essentially, like my idea for what a live action Dragon Ball Z movie would change some of the events that happen within the series because sometimes, like, you don't have as much time to explain key features in a movie as you do in a series. Right. So in Dragon Ball, you could have this long drawn out mystery or in this case, Avatar, a long drawn out mystery about stuff and to answer it slowly. And it's satisfying in that way, because that's how you do long form storytelling. But in a movie, you have to be concise and a great way to be concise is to be emotionally resonant. So you really should tell an emotional story within a movie if you want it to really hit. And I think a lot of it is whenever I see like Dragon Ball Evolution, especially like they had new world building and they didn't explain it well. And then they just kind of threw everything in with the expectation that people had seen the previous stuff instead of with the expectation that people hadn't seen the previous stuff. Right. Exactly. So it's like, we have new rules, but we also expect you to have known the old rules. So it's like, then all the people who've seen this movie are going to think it sucks because they preferred the old rules. I just hate watching remakes of something like, oh, let's see how they did this scene. Oh, now let's see how they did this scene. Oh, let's see how they did this one. It's so stupid. The only oh, ones totally. I really liked was Cinderella, which was great, mm-hmm. and The Jungle Book. All the yeah. other ones, it's just like, I've seen all this crap before, but it was better before. I don't want to watch a Last Airbender adaptation where I'm just thinking like, man, this is all like that cartoon. I just kind of yeah. want to go watch that. Exactly. It's it's better than this crap that they're remaking. And that's what you got to bring to live action. You got to bring something that you can't do in animation, which, you know, a lot of it would be, say, nuance in acting. That's something you can't really do well in 2D animation. Mm -hmm. You could be over the top and expressive, but having the subtle moments, that's a little bit tougher, right? Dude, they could make a spectacle with this this stuff. And then you could do a bunch of other stuff, right? So you got to lean on the strengths of the medium and then really just knock it out of the park. Yeah. And I th- I think that... I think Netflix... Now, Netflix releases a lot of trash. But for the most part, there's the stuff that they actually put a lot of money into, they got a pretty good track record with. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to this kind of stuff, like... Yeah, say what you will about Death Note and whatnot, but it had its things about it that I thought was pretty well done. Now, Bleach was interesting, but, you know, <laughs> there's, um... <laughs> you gotta get that milk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what gosh. a song choice. What but yeah, a like song Witcher choice. and all this stuff they've made, Dark, and back in the day, House of Cards. Series of Unfortunate Events, I hear, is great. Mm-hmm. It's like they, they know how to make like the creative minds behind Netflix are they they do know what they're talking about. And honestly, when it comes to the Avatar creators, yes, Avatar was a great show, but there's no sign that those writers that left were coming on for this. And what have the makers of Avatar done lately? Legend of Korra. 
why should I believe that they? For all I know, they were a fluke. I don't know. I'm, I I don't think it's end of the world when they leave the project. Is all. Yeah. So again, we'll have to wait and see what it is and judge it for what it is. Oh, it could absolutely suck. But the problem <laughs> is, it's probably not going to be as good as the animated form. No, it's it's definitely not going to be. But, so yeah, whenever you have that up. hanging over your head, it's like good luck. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Good luck. So yeah, I think that completes our thoughts on Avatar as a whole. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add, Joe? It's a good show. Freaking yeah. watch it. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't like it, you're a freak. That's it. <laughs> Plain and simple. So if you wanted to watch Avatar these days, uh, aside from methods which we will not promote here on this podcast, uh, I think the best way to do it is just to get the DVD set, honestly. The DVD set will run you, I think, about $20. The Blu-ray will run you about 40 but it's worth that. It's, well, it's totally all on Netflix. Uh, and it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, the whole show. Check it now, out. It's not going to be on Netflix forever. Because yeah. that's how Netflix works. So if you want to test it out, see if you like it. And then if you really love it, I would recommend buying the series. Because no lie, this is going to be a show that I show to my kids one day. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to make sure though, that I can do that. If you're able to get the Blu-ray over to DVD, because not necessarily because of image quality, but they butchered that original DVD release. There's this weird thing going on where like they they like... The first season, they did this weird mistake with the first 10 episodes that there's like a motion blur thing going on. And it's really awful looking. So if you watch it, don't try not to get the D- the DVD if you don't. I don't recommend it. They finally, mm-hmm. I, I was so pleased when I bought the Blu-ray set. That was like my requirement because I never bought those DVDs because of that reason. So when the Blu-ray came out, I looked up like, does it have that problem? And they're like, no, they fixed it. So I got that day one. It was fun because I got the last one in the store. There was a line of people that I was in front of and they were looking for it. And I'm like, they're all looking at like the new releases thing. It's like, I'll bet you they might have one in the back somewhere in the other shelf. And I saw the one and I grabbed it and I walked by all these guys like, hey, 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 hey. and you're like, the sacred text. I got the sacred text. So that, that was a really <laughs> funny day of like, I got the last copy in the city. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Really nice of Winnie the Pooh to let you have that. Really mm. nice of him to let you have that, yeah. especially with the whole anti-war message. Exactly. No, I will say though, when it comes to Netflix, apparently Netflix has a pretty lengthy licensing deal with Nintendo. No, not Nintendo. Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. <laughs> Whoops. So yeah, it'll probably be there for a while. And considering how many numbers seems to have gotten Netflix lately, I think they might have another one that they're going to keep around for a bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah, there you go. Avatar, the last airbender. Just Excellent watch it. Series. Just watch Excellent it. series. We highly recommend 11 out of 10. Yeah, I, I'd 10. say so. It's up there with the greatest shows. Absolutely. All righty guys. So we'll wrap it up here with that. Uh, as always, we would like to remind you to go and like us on Facebook. That's a good way to get updates from us. And our Facebook page is called unto the breach podcast. And of course, please follow us on Twitter at unto the podcast. Uh, tell us what you thought of this episode. Did you agree with us? Did you have other gripes? Maybe tell us your favorite episode of Avatar. I would love to hear it because I mean, there's at least 61 options. Maybe you like the the Great Divide episode like Joe does. I want to hear about that too. Uh, Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think. And uh, anything you want to add to that, Joe? 
apparently we're on Apple Podcasts now. I just searched it. Yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. We are also on Sweet. Apple Podcasts. We are on Apple, Spotify, our direct website. We're listed on Google Podcasts. Like we're we're legit. We are Your legit. Your napkin holder. Yes, 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 yes. Which admittedly you're probably listening from one of those sources right now. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> so make of it what you will. Follow us on your podcast distributor of choice. And of course, please drink some water. It's really important. Don't fed the you, water. Drink the water. Okay? You're not a water bender. Stop staring at your glass trying to make the water move. Just freaking drink it. You're going to die. Before you fight the Fire Nation, make sure you're well hydrated because they will part you. you yeah, they're going to attack. Fire Nation is going to attack. I've been told this 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche.